Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of the Neoliber Round Podcast. Today, I want to share with you a project that I'm working on. Um, it's a book project, actually, which is entitled Neoliberal Globalization Considered from the 1900s to the recent American recession we're talking about. Uh, that's up to which ended just um, 2014, I believe. I think it went. It, I would say that it lasted into 20. 16, it went up to 2016, but up to Obama years. Um, Obama was president, President Obama was president during the recession, um, which started, I believe, in about uh, 2008 and ended in, um, went up to about 2010 or 12. The effects were felt even beyond that. And then uh, by 2016, we had a few years of break and then we had, we had COVID. It's, it, you know, uh, um, and we're still dealing with the effects um, while result recovering from COVID, uh, recovering from the global recession, uh, which started in 2008. By 2019, 2020, we are faced with uh, COVID. And now we have the war that's going on, which, which affected oil crisis. And, and the, it's, it's quite interesting that we, but the, the project that I'm working on, which I'm about to publish, I'm about to publish, it's entitled Neoliberal Globalization Considered from the 1960s, oh, sorry, from the 1900s up to the recent American recession and probably beyond that. And, um, and we're looking, of course, at neoliberal globalization, its socioeconomic effects and consequences on the most vulnerable, on the most vulnerable people. So I am uh, going to be touching on it a little bit, but to be honest, um, this particular book project will will morph. It's it's actually a second edition of the book that I have currently out, which is entitled Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance, which was researched, part of a research done at the University of Pennsylvania. And then, of course, I later did studies that looks at neoliberalism, but not just looking at the dynamics of the global south and the global north or looking at Jamaica as a case study. But this new work, Neoliberal Globalization Considered, um, looks at how globalization, the effects and consequences of globalization, not just for people in the global south, not just for Jamaicans or the Caribbean or developing countries, but we also look at, we want to bring it home to the U.S., uh, we want to look at the problems it has posed and continue to pose for people in American cities. And of course, I'm, I'm looking at its effects and consequences on the most vulnerable, but we are looking at the 1900s up to the American recession. And, it's, it's and then, of course, we're looking at... Um, and there's, so, this is a, so this is a second edition to that book, uh, to the first book. And uh, we're going, and that will, and this particular second edition, neoliberal globalization considered, we will also, we will talk about, um, we will provide updated figures on poverty and so on and so forth. But we will also consider, we will also begin at, towards the end of this book, at the end of the book, neoliberal globalization considered, that will be published this year. The end of the, at the end of that book, I will, in the conclusion. I will make a conclusion, which is actually the beginning, the beginning of a project that I am working on, which is entitled Privilege, Power, Position, Status, and Secrets 
to unlocking divine intervention, but more so privileged power position and status. Looking at looking at how power poses problems for progress, looking at power and its strategies, because you, you might have we make comments about that several times, looking at how power how power uses various strategies and these strategies are important are tools of, of power to extend or to, to maintain or to increase its power. And these strategies pose problems for human society, for progress. And we, we, you, if you follow me on Twitter and social media, read my, social, my feeds and so on and so forth, I've been talking a lot about power and, of course, and, and, and privilege and position. It's, and I've been talking about it's part of a study that I'm now going to be the focus of my study at, at, at Georgetown University. I, of course, I'm doing my doctorate there, which will look at power and how it poses problems. Of course, I will make commentaries about the Ukraine and uh, Russian invasion in Ukraine. I'll make comments about several other issues here. But this particular, but this particular episode, I will begin to just briefly lay out some considerations from, that, from the, the second book, which is about to be published. And, um, and in a, at, to be, and at, at best, it's a second edition, second edition, of as as I said, neoliberalism. But of course, it might make it might re- it will make some reference from it because. But I will, I will, I will of course present arguments and discussions in this in this second neoliberal globalization. Consider this book that I did not make in that first book, and I will also lay the ground, uh, the groundwork, or the platform. To begin talking about this new research and book project that looks at power and privilege. But all of this is a part of neoliberalism. All the work that I've done, all the discussions, looks, it's, it ties into the whole issue of power and position, ties into the whole issue of neoliberalism, ties into, into the whole issue of power being strategy, using strategy and the problems it poses for society. But of course, we're now looking, we're going to be going into something else. Um, but... I want to use this opportunity in today's episode. I want to use this episode to to share with you some insights. we had said that uh, we are going to begin looking at neoliberal globalization considered, my new book, looking at uh, global, neoliberal globalization from the 1600s up to the recent American recession and probably beyond, looking at 
neoliberal globalization's socioeconomic effects and consequences, especially on the most vulnerable people. And uh, and I had indicated that um, this is a second book. This is my second book that will be published this year. But we wanted to share with you some insights from the book, especially from the 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 uh, some of the conclusions. And I will begin here. Americans are opposed to big government because an active state threatens democracy. Hence, we have an alternative form of state that allows for big business that concentrates power and wealth, but at the expense of democracy. The complexity of the whole issues arises out of conspiratorial events aimed at amassing power and wealth via an unregulated, uninhibited system that run roughshod over the state, thereby creating an industrial society controlled by large corporations and not the state, which was forged in the heat of an anti-colonial sentiment that resulted in the containment of its constitutional powers. But which do you prefer? Few large firms that concentrate all the power and wealth at your expense, or a humble state that balances and equally distributes power on your behalf. A small state is weak enough to regulate large corporations and their externalities. And more can be said about that, and will be said about that. But William Dumhorf, in 2010, suggested in his book, Who Rules America? Challenges to corporate and class dominance, that it was corporations. Further, Charles Perrault, Charles Perrault, in his book entitled Organizing America, Wealth, Power, and the Origins of Corporate Capitalism in 2010, shows how American corporations are and became the dominant and overarching force and feature in American life. Today, my project is going further, asking the question, who rules corporations? If they rule or ruled America? And the answer I am proposing is China, which will be the focus of one of my research papers and projects that I study neoliberalism, globalization, income inequality study, uh, poverty and resistance. Now, the study will suggest China for reasons we must discuss and present in further detail for later. But we will briefly outline here how and why we made or come to such assertions. Firstly, and this is just an outline which will be considered in greater detail further. Firstly, America's political and economic system provides a salacious opportunity for China, who is a totalitarian, so-called communist country, with a state-controlled economy and press. So the ability to quickly and easily make decisions without dissension and to achieve goals are less complicated and cumbersome. It is therefore easy to will, to will, to will, the country towards achieving and to will the country china here it's based because of their political system it's therefore easy to will the country towards achieving a particular goal towards let's say let's let us say world domination or leadership 
Secondly, China understands America from careful study and is able to develop and abide by a strategy that takes advantage of that knowledge. And thirdly, Max Weber, who is one of the most influential figures in the development of Western modern society and provided the theoretical understanding behind said society, defined capitalism as being driven by the Protestant ethic, which is hard work and savings. And, but today, today, America has moved on. I'm saying that. Today, America has moved on from that ethic. And just so you know, I have also indicated that Max Weber said, had, in, had, had, had theorized that the kind of ethic that we have is a Protestant ethic, but it's a Protestant ethic that drove, that drove the many, but not the few, so to speak. The many, but not the few, in the sense that it's a Phariseeicalism, in a sense. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hypocritical ideology where, where it's driven, it's, a, it's an ethic that, is, that was supposed to be American but, or, or Western but, or European or Western person, but it was not an ethic really. That the ethic I am saying to you is an, it's an ethic, the Protestant ethic of hard work and saving was, did, did not govern, govern every, it was an ethic that was for the, few, for the many, not for the few. Because the, 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 the many had to work hard, but the few realized the gains in a sense and used strategy to put, to, and uses various systems and strategy to, 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 to realize their gains and then protect those gains. So the ethic that, that Max Weber had, had, had identified is really an ethic, not really of, it's an ethic, yes, but probably of theory or, 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 and, uh, or for the select few where some people worked hard, but the others didn't. Um, and, and, for, and if you understand history, you know what I'm talking about as it relates to what's going on in society today. Um, a group of people being identified to work the plantations and so on and so forth. And, um, and, and more can be said about that. But, but we, will, we will let this remain that the, as it relates to Max Weber and what he had indicated. But today... Today, America has moved on from that ethic. So that is capitalism is about nepotism and greed. That is what Robert Jackal in his book, Moral Mazes, is, con- is concluding after con- conducting a research study using interviews among 100 managers in various companies. Indeed, China is aware of this evolution or change they understand that America is about individualism mixed in with selfishness, greed, and nepotism and connectionism. And the word connectionism here I use in, uh, in quote, I am borrowing that word from Walter Litt, who is an economic historian at University of Penn. And of course, in one of his work, the, the economic uh, labor history of America, where he talks about the development of corporations and connectionism, where um, certain labor unions and certain and certain groups were forming connections, and then those connections would limit access, limit access, and this all the whole issue of credentialing is becomes a part of this issue as well. Forming groups and organizations and associations, and then requiring certain credentials to get access, but as a way to limit access or to protect 
well thought to protect or to 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 squash the competition, so to speak. So, but uh, Walter Lit talks about that, looking at how this whole issue, this drive to to form corporations or sorry, to form connections, to form associations within groups, and so and to 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 protect interests within that group. Now, what does that say about um, in, um, capitalism or competition or fair game? It says a lot. But um, let's continue. I said China. However, I said that China. So China is aware of this evolution or change. They understand that America is about individualism mixed in with selfishness, greed, and nepotism, and connectionism. Connectionism. That word I'm borrowing from Walter Litt, who was one of my senior advisors on a previous project that I worked on. And also, a seen, actually, my senior advisor on neoliberal globalization considered. So, China is aware of this evolution or change. They understand that America is about, is about individualism mixed in with selfishness, greed and nepotism and connectionism. And the ability to satisfy that corporate and individual greed is what will take them to reposition themselves as the new superpower. Moreover, recently the NBA acquiesced, and just so you know, I had I had published this particular, I this particular uh, section of the talking about two rules China. This was a standalone article in the neoliberal commentary in my LinkedIn newsletter, and that also published uh, 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 produced a, and released a podcast, a self-contained po- a podcast with this particular topic. Just looking at this particular section, who rules China? Of who rules America? Talking about China, but of course, I'm moving this particular ep- episode is considering or is exploring all of these into into one into into a coherent, continuing work because I begin by saying that Americans are opposed to big government because an active state threatens democracy. Hence, we have an alternative form of state that allows for big business that concentrates power and wealth, but at the expense of democracy. And I indicated that the complexity of the whole issue arises out of conspiratorial events aimed at amassing power and wealth via an unregulated, uninhibited system that run roughshod over the state, thereby creating an individual society controlled by large corporations and not the state, which was forged in the heat of anti-colonial sentiment that resulted in the containment of its constitutional powers, so on and so forth. That was not in any other, in any podcast or any production I've done, but it's, but it's, but it's part of um, a wide discussion I had within this new book I'm right, talking about, Neoliberal Globalization. But I'm saying here that Beyond that, beyond that, I asked. Beyond that, I, 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 I made the, 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 the point that, having said that, William Dumhoff in 2010 suggested in his book "Who Rules America: Challenges to Corporate and Class Dominance" that it was corporations, corporations, and Perot, and, and 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 Charles Perot in his own book in 2010, organizing wealth, shows how American corporations are and became the dominant and overarching force and feature in American life. But I'm saying to you that today my project is even going beyond that. It's going further, which we're we're asking the question, who rules corporations now if they ruled America? And we're saying China, which 
Now, this particular section is part of a production and publication and article that I've written by itself. China will be the... Okay. And, and so I said today, it, the project is going further, asking the question, who rules corporations? If they ruled America, China. And I, and I explained to you why or how we made or came to such assertions. Firstly, we said the American political and economic system provides a salacious opportunity for a country like China, which is totalitarian. And then I went further to say, secondly, China understands America from careful study and is able to develop and abide by a strategy that takes advantage of that knowledge. And thirdly, we talk about, we, made allude, we alluded to Max Weber, who, had, who, who theorized that, that, the, that the West, the kind of capitalism that we have follows a protestant ethic of hard work and saving. But of course, I'm challenging that, challenging that ethic, saying that yes and no, and also looking at the issue of duplicity, hypocrisy, and Phariseeicalism, do as I say, but not as I do, where some ethics, some principle is for some people, but not, it's for the masses, but not for the few. And if you study history, you look at some people could understand could, was able to read the scriptures, but others couldn't, which was strategic. The layman, and layman means, means stupid. When we talk about the laity, yes, and the papacy, the original understanding of laity or laymen is stupidity, stupid or ignorance. And they were made to be deliberately ignorant of the word and Okay, and they were not exposed to the kind of education that would expose them to the truth of the word so that the few who have power over religion, which controlled all things, it was able to impose a particular kind of sway and control, utilizing the ignorance that people had and also utilizing the limitations and, and the limit of access that people have because they were dumb masses in the sense that the laymen, even the word lay suggests that they, they weren't exposed or trained or learned in the language that in the original language in Latin or in Greek. Only a few people could read Latin and Greek. And in fact, when, the, when attempts were being made to make the scriptures into a language that the common man could understand, there was reaction from the status quo, from the power brokers. There was fierce, violent reaction from the church and from the nobles. I said, no, no, no. okay. So, in, so the Bible, in fact, the Bible was translated from, uh, was translated from Greek or from Latin into what? Into what we know. And, and, and it was a Septuagint. And of course, we know it was, we, we, we understood the Bible was also available in French and then in English. But it was, the, the translation was, was not easy. In fact, if you look at, and, that's, and as we get ready to look at power, privilege and position, we talk about the issue, that particular issue. So, so 
so, so it it so it wasn't an ethic for everybody it was an ethic but only only some people were supposed to work hard and so on. so we talked about that but then i am tra- so but i so i challenged that and said today america has moved on from that ethic to its capitalism about so that our capitalism is about nepotism and greed individualism mixed in with selfishness greed and nepotism and in quote connectionism which is a very important word when you look at labor and economics and multinationalism and when you start to study anti-monopolism and 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 trust laws and so on and so forth i talk about cartel cartelizations transnationalism multinationalism the word connectionism is very important Welcome back to the episode where we, we, are, we are talking about neoliberal globalization considered. And, um, er, and we were making the point about the word connectionism being a very important word to the whole discussion here that we are having. Because we said that China is aware of the evolution of change or the devolution or change that America is going through in terms of its ethics. And they understand that America is about individualism mixed in with selfishness, greed and nepotism. And we said connectionism, forming associations and using credentials. Yes, certain credentials to as a way to 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 limit access, so to speak. And um, and the ability to satisfy that corporate and individual greed is what will take China, China, it will, is what will take them to reposition themselves as the new superpower because of an understanding of the, 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 the change or the evolution of, of the ethic, which is, which is probably an ethic in theory and not necessarily in practice. Moreover, recently the NBA, and I'm continuing here with the discussions, moreover, recently the NBA acquiesced to China's demands so as to recover the billions it had lost when China had pulled the NBA's business out of China. Suddenly, the NBA's fight against justice gave way to greed and their ability to make more money. China is aware of this and its structure and unilateral power to make decisions in China is a powerful partner for any client to want to have China can easily create a market for any product, given its economic and political system of governance. And I had, and I just, and I'll say to you that recently my brother sent me a Twitter video post, my, my twin brother sent me, some time ago sent me a, a Twitter video post of an excerpt of Bill Mayer HBO show where he also asserted using comedy that China rules America. According to the tweet, and I quote, when a country can make your big muscled macho man action stars grovel in their language, you know you're somebody's, and he uses the B word there, that is usually used to describe a female dog. And it's quite interesting because what, as, let me give you a little bit of back, and you can actually check this out if you go to, um, if you go to a, uh, uh, if you go to the podcast that I did some time ago entitled Who Rules America, I actually play this. I play it in its entirety. So you can refer to that 
previous tweet um, post that I had, or you could check the neoliberal commentary in, in, in LinkedIn, where I, I wrote an article called Who Rules America? Talking about um, uh, where I, I share the link to this particular commentary or posting by Bill Mayer, where he talks about a particular, uh, a particular movie star who, after that movie star had uh, probably chided him, uh, China, had to walk back on his own word because of course he was afraid he or she was afraid i think it was was it john cena was afraid was afraid of the of the of the of the proceeds or the revenues that they would have lost because of course china is a big market for um for action movies for, for movies in america um and it's a big market and that's where they, they're making a lot of their proceeds and so the and so Bill Mayer posted when a, a macho man when a country can make your big muscled and they're talking about China when China can make your big muscled macho man action stars govel in their in their language you know you you're somebody's B I T asterisk T C I mean B I whatever T C H you know you know the word there. In fact, he posted the excerpt of the show regarding the issue on Twitter, so you could also go to his, but I'm not sure if it's available there, but the, your best bet is to visit my part, the Who Rules America, and, and, and the neoliberal commentary on LinkedIn, or you can go to, um, the other, to, to the podcast. Therefore, what's the solution to all of this, I ask? Maybe it is to allow China to remain China, and the U.S. as the U.S. But it cannot be that, the, that we should protect our leadership and dominance because America does not want to lead anymore. In fact, the, lead, the leadership at the center is softening, according to Hillary Clinton, in 2012, so that there is no one dominant country. All the presidents, from Obama to Biden, seem to be teetering towards more of a partnership than any one dominant or leading power, which is an old and hegemonic way of constructing a world since our values have changed, or, 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 or have they? If truth be told, while we seek for partnerships, instead of leadership, what we may have today or is occurring and developing is a global elitism where a group of people across countries are the dominant figures, which is what I'm contending for. Now, these arguments would then lead to the questions as to whether we are too myopic and naive, thinking that a political and economic system provides, provides safety, and it's exceptional when we have made changes to our capitalism that has facilitated an opening. And whether this is of necessity and or strategy given the more or the move towards American greed and retreat. Chinese dominance, partnerships instead of leadership and our global elitism. But who is righteous here? Is it those who are less evil? But who determines what's less? The subjects or the objects? We must continue to develop and work on this concept. However, and that was this, but, but just so you know, this was one consideration. However, after careful consideration and study, it would seem that the world now has two global challenges. One is in Europe, Putin, and Russian aggression. Second is China, in Asia and they're pushed to become the new superpower.
Welcome back to the episode entitled Neoliberal Globalization Considered from the 1900s to the recent American recession, looking at some concluding considerations or ideas from the book, from, the, from my upcoming book, looking at um, neoliberal globalization, its socioeconomic effects and consequences on the most vulnerable people. But, may, but, looking, but looking at some broad theoretical, theoretical implications and understanding. And um, we had ended, we had ended the last, uh, just the last, just, just now, looking at um, why we say that um, we say we ask the question: Who rules corporation if they rule America? And we say in China, we we briefly laid that out. But we went, we moved on to say, after careful consideration, after careful consideration and study, it would seem that the world has actually two global challenges. One is Europe, Putin and Russian aggression, and the second one is China, in Asia, and their push to become the new superpower. And I actually wrote a follow-up story and did a follow-up podcast that looks at that. And you can, you can, and of course, we've done 58, over 58 episodes of our podcast and have several articles and journals. But um, we said that after careful study, it would seem that it would, the world now has two challenges. China and Russia are socialist countries with a kind of totalitarian system of government. While the West is seeking to develop partnerships and to rule by neoliberal strategy, which pivots to corporate greed that is not easily detected, the East, China and Russia, is still living in the past, using past values of a world that used intimidation and aggression to realize its goals of world domination and control. So the question of who rules America becomes even broader to, um, to who rules the world. Um, and we have suggested that it is global elites across countries, even though China and Russia have their own personal national interests that defies this. However, there are elites in Russia and China who form and are part of the ruling interests in these countries. Without their support and approval, China and Russia cannot act. Hence, the application of the current sanctions on Russian oligarchs, which may affect their ability to continue to support Putin. These elites in China and Russia are closely connected with elites in the West and therefore have business interests with each other. Each of these elites' success is dependent on the other's success. That is why it is so difficult, or it was so difficult, that it was so difficult to apply any real sanctions uh, to Russia until now because of all because all of these post-industrial countries and the elites, the elites, so to speak, have interests with each other and are careful not to sabotage that through any sanctions that may affect their, uh, their business interests and wealth. And, um, and the, the former Belarusian, or sorry, Belgian, some Belgian prime minister for um, Prime Minister alluded to that, and we actually, if you go on my on our on my YouTube or if you go on recent podcast, I've talked about that. I've showed him speaking, um, challenging Germany, challenging the European Union leaders to be to to cut ties because they were they pretended to have cut ties, but actually they did not cut all ties. They were businesses and banks and so on that were still in bed with with Russia. <laughs> 
and uh, and and of course you know Germany had gotten a, a, was still de- heavily dependent on on oil but of course that now is changing and there have been several um, steps to to cut oil ties from Russia from Russia but and we wondered if it was a little too late if it was a bit too late because of course and we have already talked fulsomely about this and we have already made comments about this and you can go back to any of our shows here on the neoliberal round podcast or check on the neoliberal commentary in LinkedIn or go on my website theneoliberal.com or renaldocmckenzie.com and you can see the myriad of comments we've made or go on the Twitter but um the issue here we have said that um May, they they have waited so long for some to to apply sanctions because of the the effects that many countries would have felt because of the the connectionism the connections between global elites and so they were careful to 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 deal with those issues and then to apply sanctions but these are this this will form the the con- part of the concluding chapter of neoliberal globalization considered from the 1900s to the recent American recession. And, um, and we make other commentaries about other things. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Neoliberal Round podcast. Uh, and please share the show with your friends. Subscribe to the show. It's free to subscribe, just so you know. And, um, and, but, you, but please donate to us. Um, and you can, and let me give you the link where you could donate. You could donate to us at uh, https colon forward slash forward slash anchor, which is a n c h o r dot f m slash the neoliberal slash support. And um, you can visit us online at theneoliberal.com or ronaldocmckenzie.com. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter, Ronaldo dot McKenzie, Ronaldo without the Y. And of course, Mackenzie without the A. And, um, and I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, Ronaldo.McKenzie on Facebook and Instagram, Ronaldo C. McKenzie. And of course, uh, on LinkedIn, Reverend Ronaldo C. McKenzie. But I think there are some dashes between that. And um, continue to support us and send us feedback. We want to know how the show is doing. We want to know what you think about the show. And um, if you haven't gotten your copy of... Uh, Neoliberalism, globalization, income inequality, poverty, and resistance as yet. Just so you know, it was number one new release when it came out on Amazon. Number one in deconstructivist philosophy and deconstructivist and critical history. And uh, it's available in all platforms, ebook, audible, hardcover, and paperback. And um, you can get signed copies from us. You can reach out to me. Oh, well, the phone number is here at the Neoliberal is 267-317. 9202 again it's 267-317-9202 you could also check us out at, we have an ebay page or you can go on the neoliberal go to ronaldocmckenzie.com we're having problems with our with our online store uh, with the on the neoliberal.com we have lost a lot of our customers who are trying to reach out to us and we're having a lot of problems with our third party op- applications and we're working hard to get our own vps a virtual privacy service so that we can now control our own store so we hope we're looking forward to that. Um, thank you so much. And we hope you have a great day. What good.